Welcome to Zichud Avsi Mani Ma'am, Rabbi Ram Goldra, and today we're going Baba Kama, the eighth parakel Chovel. So the three topics we're going to focus on are one, the Gemara discusses a married woman who sells her ksuba, which the buyer would collect if she becomes divorced or widowed, but not if she dies first. Abaya says, Tobas Hanala the discounted amount paid by the buyer belongs to the wife. He quotes a Mishnah where Aiden falsely testified that a man divorced his wife and paid her ksuba and were found zomin. They do not pay her the full ksuba since she may never collect it. Rather, they pay tovas hanas ksuba sa, the discounted amount of a ksuba which someone would agree to pay for that risk. If the husband would receive the proceeds of such a sale and not the wife, the aim would not have caused her any loss. Rav Shalman answered, Mishum besa. Even if she would not personally keep the proceeds, there is profit to the home from its increased assets through the sale. Rabbi ruled like Abai and added that the husband does not even consume peros from that income because para de perolo tekinule rabban. The rabbis did not institute for him to take produce of the produce. Point number two, on daf pei zayinam and off, the Mishnah taught that married women do not pay for damages they inflict since they do not have money. The Mishnah said she should sell her nickname aluk to pay the victim and is forced to say the cases where she has none. The Mishnah said she should sell her ksuba for its risk value and attempts to answer that it reflects Rabbi opinion that it's forbidden for a man to keep his wife even for one hour without a ksuba. This is rejected because Rebmer's reason is to discourage him from divorcing her. Here he will hesitate to divorce her, even though she will not collect her ksuba because the buyer will. Therefore, the Gemara explains that even if she would sell the ksuba, she could later forgive the ksuba, which Shmuel taught is effective, which she would certainly do for her husband, and we do not want to actively cause the buyer a loss. Although she could sell it to the victim, who has nothing to lose, we do not trouble Basin for nothing, since she will definitely forgive the ksuba. And point number three, two prices discuss slaves and Maluk property, owned by the wife, and the husband enjoys their produce. One states, Yotzim b'shen v'ayin li'isha. They go out free with the loss of a tooth or an eye, inflicted by the wife, who is considered the owner, of Lola Ish, but not if it was inflicted by the husband, who is not considered an owner. The other Brisa teaches that neither is considered an exclusive owner. Four explanations are offered. Number one, although the wife should be considered the owner, the second Brisa holds up to Kanus Usha, quote on the previous daf, whereby the husband's right was strengthened to undermine her selling the property, so she's also not considered an owner. Number two, both prices hold up to Kanus Usha, but the first discusses the time period before the Takana, Number three, the first price accords with Rav's principle that Shechur releases a Shibud. Therefore, the wife's act which causes the slave's freedom releases the husband's lien on him. The second brace agrees with Rav's principle but holds that the husband's lien was strengthened through Tukhanasusha so that Shechur could not remove it. The fourth explanation is presented on the following daf. So once again, the three points are number one. The Gemara discusses a married woman who sells her ksuba, which the buyer would collect if she becomes divorced or widowed, but not if she dies first. Abaya says, Tobas Hanala Ishavya, the discounted amount paid by the buyer belongs to the wife. He quotes a Mishnah where Aiden falsely testify that a man divorced his wife and paid her ksuba and were found zomin. They do not pay her the full ksuba since she may never collect it. Rather, they pay tovas hanas ksuba sa, the discounted amount of a ksuba which someone would agree to pay for that risk. If the husband would receive the proceeds of such a sale and not the wife, the aimzomim would not have caused her any loss. Rav Shalman answered, Mishum Even if she would not personally keep the proceeds, there is profit to the home from its increased assets through the sale. Rubber ruled like Abai and added that the husband does not even consume peros from that income because para de perolo tekinule rabban. The rabbis did not institute for him to take produce of the produce. Point number two, on daf pei zayinam and off, the Mishnah taught that married women do not pay for damages they inflict since they do not have money. 
The Mara said she should sell her nickname alug to pay the victim, and is forced to say the cases where she has none. The Mara said she should sell her ksuba for its risk value, and attempts to answer that it reflects Reb Meir's opinion that it's forbidden for a man to keep his wife even for one hour without a ksuba. This is rejected because Rebmer's reason is to discourage him from divorcing her. Here he will hesitate to divorce her, even though she will not collect her ksuba because the buyer will. Therefore, the Gemara explains that even if she would sell the ksuba, she could later forgive the ksuba, which Shmuel taught is effective, which she would certainly do for her husband, and we do not want to actively cause the buyer a loss. Although she could sell it to the victim, who has nothing to lose, we do not trouble Basin for nothing, since she will definitely forgive the ksuba. And pointing with you, two prices discuss slaves and Maluk property, owned by the wife, and the husband enjoys their produce. One states, Yotzim b'shen ba'ayin li'isha. They go out free with the loss of a tooth or an eye, inflicted by the wife, who is considered the owner, of Lola Ish, but not if it was inflicted by the husband, who is not considered an owner. The other Bryce teaches that neither is considered an exclusive owner. Four explanations are offered. Number one, although the wife should be considered the owner, the second Bryce holds up to Kanas Usha, quote on the previous daf, whereby the husband's right was strengthened to undermine her selling the property, so she's also not considered an owner. Number two, both Bryce's hold up to Kanas Usha, but the first discusses the time period before the Takana. Number three, the first price accords with Rav's principle that Shechur releases a Shibud. Therefore, the wife's act which causes the slave's freedom releases the husband's lien on him. The second brace agrees with Rav's principle, but holds that the husband's lien was strengthened through Tukhanas Usha so that Shechur could not remove it. The fourth explanation is presented on the following daf. All right, so now we go to Simon Dov Petas, and her standard Simon is a pot, and we use a Chalon pot to make the Simon more distinct. So here goes. The woman showing off her new Chalon pot she purchased with the Tovas Hanash she received when she sold her Ksuba to her friend who was not permitted to sell her Ksuba to pay for damages she inflicted, served some Chalon to her Nixon Maluk slave who wasn't freed when her husband knocked out. His tooth, once again, slow motion. The woman showing off her new chompot, chompot, that must be run off. Pay Taz. The woman showing off her new chompot she purchased with the tovas and she received when she sold her ksuba, which reminds us, the more discusses a married woman who sells her ksuba, which the buyer would collect if she becomes divorced or widowed, but not if she dies first. The buyer says, tovas isha the discounted amount paid by the buyer belongs to the wife. So the woman showing off her new chompot she purchased with the tovas and she received when she sold her ksuba to her friend who was not permitted to sell her ksuba to pay for damages she inflicted which reminds us on Duff, pay Zion off. The Mishnah taught that married women do not pay for damages they inflict since they do not have money. The Gemara asks that she should sell her nixim alug to pay the victim and is forced to say the cases where she has none. The Gemara asks that she should sell her ksuba for its risk value, and the Gemara explains that even if she would sell the ksuba, she could later forgive the ksuba, which Shmuel taught is effective, which she would certainly do for her husband, and we do not want to actively cause the buyer a loss. So the woman showing off her new chompot she purchased with the tovas and she received when she sold her ksuba to her friend who was not permitted to sell her ksuba to pay for damages she inflicted, served some chong to her nixamaluk slave who wasn't freed when her husband knocked out his tooth, which reminds us, two prices discuss slaves in Maluk property owned by the wife and the husband enjoys their produce. One states, Yosim Shem Isha. They go out free with the loss of a tooth or an eye inflicted by the wife who is considered the owner of Valola Ish, but not if it was afflicted by the husband who is not considered an owner. The other price teaches that neither is considered an exclusive owner. Four explanations are offered. So once again, the woman showing off her new chompot she purchased with the tovas and she received when she sold her ksuba to her friend who was not permitted to sell her ksuba to pay for damages she inflicted, 
serves some challenge to her Nixon-Mulug slave who wasn't freed when her husband knocked out his tooth. All right, so now it's time for four blah blah chazara. Daf pehei. So the similar daf pehei relates to a pe, a mouth, and we use a dentist. So here goes. The poor dentist. Dentist. That must mean we're in daf pehei. The poor dentist who got injured in his hand and was trying to evaluate Tsar by assessing how much he would give to have it amputated by a painless potion versus a sword, which reminds us the Gemara is how to evaluate Tsar Bamakamnezek pain where there's permanent damage. The Gemara ultimately explains we assess how much a person wants to give to have his hand, which is inscribed to the government for amputation, cut off regarding the difference in pain between the amputation by a potion, which is painless, and by sword. So the poor dentist who got injured in his hand and was trying to evaluate Tsar by assessing how much he would give to have it amputated by a painless potion versus a sword noticed sores developed because of his excessive bandaging, still entitling him to Ripu and Chavis, which reminds us, Rava explains that all agree that permission is given to bandage a wound, and the assailant is liable for any resulting sores. But, well, Nitno Le'eged Yusur, it's not given for excessive bandaging, where the resulting sores are partially the victim's negligent. Reputo holds that he pays for him because the repeated word Rapo Yurape to require a novel payment, but not an employment. The Tanakama holds the linking of the two payments teaches that he even pays on employment, just like he pays for healing. So the poor dentist who got injured in his hand was trying to evaluate Tsar by assessing how much he would give to have it amputated by a painless potion versus a sword. Noticed sores developed because of his excessive bandaging, still entitling him to Ripu and Chavez, but only unemployment assessed as a Shomer Kashuim, which reminds us, Ruffus said that if one cut off someone's hand, he pays its value and the unemployment is assessed as a Shomer Kishuim, a watchman of cucumbers. If he then damages foot, he pays for it, and the unemployment is assessed as a doorman, as he cannot walk. If he blinded someone, he pays the eye's value, and the unemployment is that of grinding at a millstone. If he made someone deaf, he pays his full value, and no unemployment because he can't do any work. Rava asks if someone successfully inflicted all these injuries on someone, but no assessment for payment was made until the end, do we make one single assessment, obligating his full value, or is each injury assessed independently? Dav pei vav. So the similar dav pei vav is police. So here goes. The policeman, policeman. That must be on dav pei vav. Police. The policeman who got assaulted who received payment for unemployment, but not for damages since his broken arm was going to heal. Which reminds us, the Gemara discusses paying damages for a temporary loss in value. The Gemara concludes that this question is a subject of Mahok's beginning to buy in a rava. Abai says, no single Shevaz Gadoa Shevaz He gives him payment for his major unemployment, meaning his temporary loss of value caused by his current inability to work, and for his minor unemployment, meaning his current loss of income as a Shomer Kashuim. Rabbi says, He only gives him the value of his daily loss of employment based on what he normally earns, but does not pay for the temporary damages. So the policeman who got assaulted, who received payment for unemployment, but not for damages, since his broken arm was going to heal, was grateful he received a Boshe's payment assessed as an aristocrat who lost wealth, since he was a descendant of the Abbas, which reminds us the mission on Daf base taught about Boshe's payments. It's all assessed according to the status of the humiliator and the humiliated. This is a Malchokas and a Bryce where Ramirez says that all victims are viewed as aristocrats who lost their wealth. Shambhini Avram Yitzhak Yaakov because they're the descendants of Avram Yitzhak and Yaakov. A poor person is not assessed according to his poverty, which would be too lenient, nor is a wealthy person assessed according to his wealth, for the claim would be endless. Rather, we use the above middle assessment which befits descendants of the Avos. Additional opinions are brought. So the policeman who got assaulted, who received payment for unemployment but not for damages, since his broken arm was going to heal, was grateful he received a Boshe's payment assessed as an aristocrat who lost his wealth, since he was a descendant of the Avos. Unlike the poor guy he found a while back who was humiliated when he was asleep and then passed away, who received 
nothing at all, which reminds us, the next mission states that one who humiliates a sleeping person is liable. Rabbi Abba Barmama asks, If he humiliated him while he was sleeping, and he died in his sleep, and never realized he was humiliated, what's the halacha? Rav Zid explains the question is, is Bosch's payment for feeling embarrassment, and this one died without having any embarrassment, so the assailant would be exempt, or perhaps it's because of the public degradation to which he subjected his victim, and here too he degraded him, although he never knew. Rav Papa explains the inquiry differently. Daf Pezine, so the simmer Daf Pezine is a golden Pez candy dispenser, so here goes. The blind man who was put for mitzvahs who knocked over the golden Pez candy dispenser display golden Pez candy dispenser? That must be one Daf Pezine. The blind man who was put there for mitzvahs who knocked over the golden Pez candy dispenser display, which reminds us, Rebuta exempts a blind person from Boshas, Gallus, Malchus, and capital punishment, as well as all monetary laws. Another Brisa adds, And so Rebuta would exempt him from all mitzvahs in the Torah. This is because the Torah writes, Together, teaching Anyone who is included in monetary laws is included in the commandments and statutes, but anyone excluded from monetary laws is not included in the mitzvahs. So the blind man who was putter from mitzvahs, who knocked over the golden Pez candy dispenser display, didn't see the girl who had come into the store to buy Pez candy with the money she received from getting injured, which reminds us, Rabbi Lazar asked Rav, if one wounds the minor daughter of others, to whom is the injury payment given? Do we say that since the Torah awarded all the gains of her Na'aris to the father, he also receives the injury payment, since her value as a potential Amma was diminished, or do we say that he only receives gains such as her Kedushan money, because he can marry her off to whomever he chooses, but not injury money, since he's prohibited from injuring her? Rav responded that the father does not receive her damaged payments. So the blind man who was putter from mitzvahs, who knocked over the golden Pez candy dispenser display, didn't see the girl come into the store to buy Pez candy with the money she received from getting injured, nor the boy outside looking through the window whose money was put in a trust when his father injured him, which reminds us, it was taught in a bright if one injures his adult son, he shall give him payment immediately. If he injures his minor son, he makes a trust for him. Daf Peches, so the similar Daf Peches is a pach, a garbage can, or a dustbin. So here goes. When the Evakanani took the garbage can, garbage can, that must be on Daf Peches, pach. When the Evakanani took the garbage can outside from the basin, where he was not allowed to give aidas, which reminds us, the Gemara brings a source that an Evakanani is disqualified as an aid. So when the Evakanani took the garbage can outside from the basin, where he was not allowed to give aidas, he saw a man approach who threw his claim to his deceased mother's nickname at Luke property into the garbage can, since her husband took it based on Dekanasusha, which reminds us, Rav Shmuel bar Abba of Hagronia's mother, after marrying Rabbi Abba, wrote over her property to her son Rav Shmuel. After she died, Rabbi Yirma Yirba Abba established Rav Shmuel as a property's owner. Rabbi Yehuda ruled otherwise, quoting Shmuel, that if a woman sold her nickname Alug during her husband's lifetime and then died, the husband collects the property from the purchasers. Thus, Rabbi Abba can take the property from Shmuel bar Abba. Shmuel's ruling was based on Takanas Usha, the enactment of Usha, where they decree to strengthen the husband's right to her property, allowing him to collect it from her purchasers after she dies, as Shmuel said. So, when the Evakanani took the garbage can outside from the basin, where he was not allowed to give aidas, he saw a man approach who threw his claim to his deceased mother's nickname, a loot property, into the garbage can, since her husband took it, based on Takanas Usha. As another person was selling land, his father wrote over to him, while his father retained rights in the produce 
until his death, which reminds the Mormon Zemachokas of a Kenyan parents' Kenyan goof regarding preventing a sale, such as in the case of one who writes over his properties to his son to acquire after his death, whereby the son owns the physical land now, but the father retains the right to its produce until he dies, and then the son sells the land. All right, so now it's time to conclude their pop quiz of 10 questions. Number one. Which stuff do you discuss whether one gets paid in damages for a temporary loss in value? That's on Duff. Payvav. Good number two. Which stuff do you and why a woman does not sell her exuba to pay for damages? That's on Duff. Pay task. Good number three. Which of you and the sources that ein tachas ein, eye for an eye, is understood to mean cash compensation? That's on Duff. Pay gimel. Good number four. Which stuff would you discuss the status of a nixe malug slave, whether he goes free if his tooth or eye were knocked out by the wife or the husband? That's on Duff. Pay task. Number five. Which of you in the source that an evikanani does not give edus? That's on Duff. Pay task. Number six. Which stuff would discuss whether one pays boshes for humiliating a sleeping person who then dies and was never aware of the humiliation? That's on Duff. Payvav. Good number seven. Which of the one the proceeds of a sold ksuba belong to the wife? That's on Duff. Pay task. Good number eight. Which of the one it was taught in price that if someone injures his minor son, the injury payment is put in a trust? That's on Duff. Payzine. Good number nine. Which of the case of a mother writing over her next look to her son and then the mother dies in the life of her husband? That's on Duff. Good. Number 10. Which took the question regarding one who injures someone's minor daughter? Who gets to keep the injury payment, the father or the daughter? That's on Duff. Pay Zion. Excellent. That concludes today's year. This is everybody. Ram Goldhar from Zichru. Wishing you a great day and great learning.